0: hundred years. That shit it, If you think we'll be insightful, clever, or just well researched, we're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wig it. We are two guys, one cup. It is Wednesday, July the third. Welcome to Two Guys One Cup and AFL Podcast. My name is Will Anderson, and my name is Charlie Clausen. And Will, I've been out of the country for a couple of weeks now. Haven't paid much attention. What stupid bullshit story is hogging the front pages this week? What nonsense about a coach being on the firing line or a team collapsing or some bullshit umpire rule review system thing are we complaining about this week?
1: I mean, I I guess in order of priority of things we're complaining about, the score review system. Oh,
0: is that still going on? Great. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Well, there's been... like Since we got to the point where we're like, it can't get worse than this every single game there now seems to be an example of it can definitely still get worse than this.
0: Like, Well, clearly like, we need to threaten the people who work in the bunker to cut their pay because <laughs> they're well, you know, riding high. They're getting paid too much. I think if they'll work a little bit harder if they think you know, they know their big dollars are on the line.
1: Well, it might be even the fact that, that we've heard how underpaid they are. Maybe they're doing some sort of like you know, like on our work sites, sometimes the union or like everyone will be, do a go slow. Yeah. So you're at work, but you're not really doing a good job. And that's kind of like, you know, the protest that you're doing. Maybe there's some sort of protest where they're like, we're going to fuck up a howler every <laughs> single game until you pay us properly. How about that? How do you like that?
0: So what is the AFL's reaction been? Are they come out strongly in favor or are they saying we're going to review? What are they, What's their position?
1: Well, so there's, yeah, there's reviews going on at the moment like basically the big call is just junk like some people like just junk the entire review system until the end of the season and then come back next year with the bunker it feels mm. like it's all going to be about the bunker well i basically right now i believe that travis old and gil mclaughlin are out the back with uh two shovels uh mm. building uh building a bunker that they are going to um adjudicate all decisions from the
0: bunker but can i can i make a suggestion and this is look yeah. I'm no big city scientist. <laughs> Is that how that phrase, the phrase goes? Yep. I'm no, uh, well, I never went to no fancy university, Will. But how about instead of all this money on like, you know, uh, uh, infrared technology on the goal line and stuff, what about instead of making the Sharon's out of leather, we make them out of hypercolor t shirts? So that way, if someone's kicking for goal and a player gets a fingertip to it, we'll see a little hot pink streak on the side of the ball, and then we'll know it's been touched. What do you reckon?
1: I think that's a brilliant idea. I can't see it at plan that's actually wrong with that. What I do like is, so we bring in the hypercolor balls, which is fantastic, because yep. even in marking t- contests, that'll be, you'll yep. be able to see who got their hands to it first, whether it was extra hands on the hyper oh, ball.
0: And imagine how great it would be after a falcon to sort of like have that shroud of Turin. <laughs> like some, yeah, you'll be able to see that. Guy's, face. Look,
1: you can actually see his face <laughs> in the hyper-colour on the Sharon. Look at that detail. It's beautiful. <laughs> his nose is squashed right across his face. Look at it. <laughs> like when it gets someone in the nuts, I mean, come on. That's going to be footage that's going to be shown all year. Um, so, yes, the hypercolor ball, definitely. Um, mm. The bunker. I like to think of the bunker more like a back cave. Yeah. That's what I want the bunker to be like. I want them to be able to kind of shoot to the bunker and there's gill. You know, just sitting there behind like a bank of computers and screens and your diagnostics and those weird, you know, future holographic you know yeah. 3d things that they only have in movies where he's they can my, just like, he's
0: minority report he's just sliding holographic yeah, screens left and sliding right sliding
1: screens yeah that's even better even better than the Batcave. i want to see gil
0: dressed like he's in
1: minority <sighs> report and he's just he's got footage and he's flicking it from one side to the other and bringing up 3d going to the, the i love it
0: he's just like computer enhance enhance again And then he sees a reflection because it's always a reflection. You always go past the subject and you always go to a window and then you see the reflection of the person you need to see in those things.
1: Yeah. And then uh, it's discovered the AFL has like six uh, Hall of Fame legends in some pool of water and they're
0: draining them. (laughs) Billy Brownless just saying, it's a behind. (laughs) I love it. The pre-cogs, the AFL. Okay. Gil McLaughlin holds <laughs> a press conference. He's got Steve Hocking down. He's like, look, we know you hate the goal review system. So we're going to try something that's a bit uh, uh, experimental, uh, but we think that this could revolutionize the score review system. We're installing a minority report system. We have six pre-cogs who have made up from some premiership past premiership plays. <laughs>
1: Legends of the game. They're all going to be shaved bald orders.
0: and put in white bodysuits, and we're going to float them in a shallow pool of water. Yep.
1: Mike Sheehan uh, has, the, has volunteered.
0: <laughs> Who would be the period cog? So we've got Billy Brownless, Mike Sheehan.
1: Mike Sheehan. Who? So Billy's there for your kind of everyman point of view. Yeah, uh, yep. Mike Sheehan's your sort of observer of the game, you know, kind of senior figure of the game.
0: I reckon Tim Watson should be in there. I think Tim Watson, he offers, because I, I think Tim Watson has like that kind of uh, father-son, club legend, tiny Timmy. You know, he's sort of, his he, career span from 16 to, you know, uh, coming out of retirement, he's got a good breadth of game. Watson's in.
1: Okay, Watson, I'm fine with that. You need a fan representative, so Joffa or Trout?
0: Trout. Let's get Trout. Joffa's over Trout How many is that? <laughs> so we've got Billy Brownless, Mike Sheen, uh, uh, Trout. Trout. And Tim Watson, we've got, one, we've got room for two more.
1: Well, you need, I think, a female representative or maybe even yeah. two.
0: Yeah. So who do you get? Caroline Wilson? Does that count? Caroline Wilson? Does that? you be peripherally oh. involved in football or do you have to be like on the board? Do you get, um, what's the name from the Bulldogs? Susan uh, Alberti. Oh yes,
1: Susan Alberti. Definitely Susan Alberti. She's got precog written all over her. But what the? Hang on.
0: She's not going to let you shave the beehive. That's the problem. Like they all, they've all got to go in the pool with those electrodes on their heads. What are you going to do about her big beehive?
1: No, we're going to get her a beehive-shaped electrode head for sure. okay. <laughs> It just fits on perfectly in the beehive. She's kind of the senior member. That you her and she, and you know, that you're sort of experienced yeah. members. And then you need probably.
0: Gilbert McAdam, I think, in it as well. Oh, that's good, yeah. Gil, for the no, Indigenous. No, you need a
1: representative of the Indigenous. That's absolutely right. Yeah, so okay. Gilbert And Gilbert McAdam, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> He'd bring a bit of charm to the decisions. Yeah,
0: you know, every man quality. I mean, Billy's got the kind of white guy, every man, and Gilbert brings yeah. the Indigenous, every man.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's good. Love and it. so
0: all this is to decide whether or not the ball hit the post. <laughs> <laughs> Gil. Follow-up question. <laughs> <laughs> How much is this going to cost? Seven trillion dollars. <laughs> We're going to be playing all our games in Shanghai from now on to pay for this.
1: <laughs> I mean, well, this is the point, though, is that we have this game where it's almost impossible. We- we've tried to bring something in to kind of clean up the howlers. Yeah. But the system that we've brought in isn't a complete system that is able to do that. Yeah. So we've got ourselves into more trouble because we thought this was going to be the fix to it, whereas it's not. It might be somewhere on the way to the fix to it, but it's not the fix to it. And now we're having a conversation again about whether – like, because I personally, you know, I'm very much like the game's the game. Yeah. We've got to support the umpires.
0: You support anarchy. I support law and order.
1: Yeah. But I, I, I'm very much in the spirit of if the umpire called it, I'm happy for that to be what it was, and we can debate for years whether it was in or out or whatever. But mm-hmm. I don't, I. So for me, the video review has has I don't care for it to be honest, but mm-hmm. I don't care that we have it either. I'm not like anti the video review, but I I'd certainly be happy if we didn't have it. I'm certainly happy to wait until it's a better system than it is to use it.
0: I'm, I'm the same. I, I didn't actually really... I couldn't even tell you when it was introduced because it didn't disrupt my enjoyment of the game dramatically at all. But having said that, when I think about when, it's, when it is going to score a view, I don't get excited by that. I'm not like, whoa, like, you know, no. what's it going to be? It's like, it does sort of slow things down. So I'm happy for you to get that. Yeah, it. and it's like,
1: is it better? Like, they make mistakes all
0: over the field. Yeah. Ours is a game of mistakes.
1: You know, if you judge it by perfection, you're making a mistake about the very nature and heart of the game. It's a mm. game of mistakes. It's a game where, you know, it's rare that a player plays at 100% efficiency in their game, you know. Like, everybody makes mistakes. The great thing about the game is you have the capacity to recover from those mistakes almost constantly, right? Like, the idea that we then need this thing that is absolutely – like, even in the rest of the game – a push in the back versus a not push in the back, a holding the ball versus a not holding the ball is such a fine line that we're guessing and adjudicating along. That then suddenly we, that we demand that I, I'm just happy for the whole game to be. Do you reckon you know,
0: there's a cons- called by the umpires? Do you reckon there's a consideration of it's a branding opportunity because it's the drink wise score review. So every time it happens in a game, the sponsor gets another little like bit of exposure at the ground and stuff. So you could charge more to say, hey, do you want to be our naming sponsor for the score review? So yeah. Maybe- and I mean, you could
1: charge premium to get the pre-cog sponsorship. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine the brands that I want to get on board this revolutionary pre- pre-cog. I mean, like, guys, review. we've got to get involved. Mike Sheehan is going to be a pre-cog.
0: But they're not pre-cogs, they're post-cogs because the events happened. They are able to look at the event and tell us whether or not it actually happened. (laughs) They're actually (laughs) post-cogs.
1: They're cogs. You're not
0: pre- or or post-cogs. You're literally cogs. We couldn't afford pre-cogs. We got some cogs. Uh, So I understand there's some upsets on the
1: weekend. Yes. Now, Well, the first one we should talk about because, Mm. uh, well, the other big issue in football, sorry, is, sorry. um, is John Longmire. Because it yep. leads into what I want to talk about anyway. So, John Long um, John Longmire went on AFL 360 on... Because uh, the rumours... There's been a bit of talk about the fact that... So, basically, timeline-wise, Liam Pickering went on SEN Radio with Tim Watson, COG, future COG, <laughs> Tim Watson and Gary Lyon, and he dropped the fact that... Um, North Melbourne had made a call to his client, John Longmire, about the coaching position at North Melbourne. And this is the guy who, when Buddy was going to Sydney, found allegedly found out about it two minutes after Buddy signed the contract yeah, yeah. in Sydney. Like, he's not a man who gives away information like that unless he has an agenda to give away information like that. So he's put that on the table. Everyone's kind of speculated that why would Longmire leave Sydney? But he's only got another year left on his contract. If North were going to offer him some staggering amount of money for a, a whole bunch of years, you've got to consider it. But also, mm. you could use it as a negotiating technique with Sydney. Yeah, mm. to lock in a longer contract at better money. He's been there 18 years. Why would you leave such a great club and such a great city? And You know, anyway, all that. So then he goes on AFL 360 on Monday night and does a very bad job of saying that he's not going to North Melbourne. <laughs> Like, it was one of those ones where you were just like, oh, before you spoke, it all seemed like, nah, you'll stay in Sydney, but you're just using this to kind of negotiate a bit of contract, and fair enough, why not? But there's not really much chance you'll end up in North Melbourne. But then after this interview, even though he said nothing, Conclusive. it was what he, the way he said nothing was enough that people were like, hang on, what's going on here?
0: Yeah, it's like when a player says, I just want to focus on the season, um, I'll make a decision at the end of the year. It's like, yeah, but if you wanted to stay, you'd say it. <laughs> you'd just say and it.
1: And you don't know if you're being unfair because he said things like, I think my record will show, I've been at Sydney 18 years and I've honored every contract. Now on paper, that's exactly what you want people to say, right? You'd be like, well, yeah. that, that just says, yeah, he's honored every contract. He's got a record of loyalty. He's been there 18 years. But the way that he said it makes you go, Does he really mean that? Or is he saying, I've given you 18 good years and now I should be able to go and hang out with my original club north Melbourne? Is
0: it just more of a, is it, Will, is it his face? (laughs) I mean, why the long face, John Horse Longmire? (laughs) Like, he does have one of those faces where it's like, I mean, he looks like he should be on Mount Rushmore. You can read stuff into that granite-like face, can't you?
1: Yeah, okay. Well, that's, oh, so you're saying that his horse face... Um, and I'm not sure he was called horse.
0: Because his face
1: looked like a <laughs> no. horse, by the way. No, I
0: think that was it. Pretty sure that was it. If yeah. I know one thing about football clubs, if you give a <laughs> nickname horse, it's because you look like one. It has nothing to do with the showers. It
1: definitely only has to do with the fact that your face looks like a horse's face. And they say, you can't look a gift horse in the mouth. And if I've learned anything out of that, uh, no, um... Yeah, look who knows. Who knows what's happening with Longmire? But it brings us to North Melbourne. The story of the week, Charlie. Yeah. Is the North Melbourne Football Club, the North Melbourne Kangaroos, who, uh, since Brad Scott uh announced that he was he was going, they beat the Bulldogs that day. And yeah. then since then, under the the reign of Reese Shaw.
0: Yeah. Um Quirky Reese Shaw.
1: Quirky, uh, straight to the point. Yeah. Uh, but but Off players' favourite, players' favourite, Reshaw. Yeah. Um, they have been, they, they are playing fantastic football. I watched that game against Collingwood and North Melbourne were exciting. At the ball, like at the stoppages, like around the ball, Cunnington and Zebel and these guys just went to work and they dismantled Collingwood. And now, so suddenly everybody's like, well, you know what the thing was, Charlie? A lot of people attributed it to Reese Shaw as the new coach and a lot of people attributed it to them having the majority of their stars back. Uh, yeah. But uh, the number one thing it kept being attributed to during the night, Charlie, was not uh, the new coach and it wasn't <laughs> the new game plan. No, there was one thing that the, most of the commentators agreed Uh, that had lifted North Melbourne to a victory over Collingwood. Can you dare to guess what that one (laughs) secret ingredient all these commentators believed was the formula that had got North Melbourne on the winner's sheet,
0: Charlie? Well, I believe the SES were called to the ground, (laughs) Will, because there had been some pipes bursting underneath the kangaroos' change rooms. And the room was flooded with fumes, Will. The fumes (laughs) of Shinbona (laughs) Spirit. It hung in the air, just thick, fat droplets of the stuff. And the players walked around and they inhaled deeply the Shinbona spirit. And they looked at their quirky, off-the-cuff, offbeat coach and they said, Coach, we'll do it for you because we're the kangaroos and we're made of Shinbona spirit.
1: It was a big week for Shinbona spirit. Like, they played, they genuinely did play with that. It's funny how, like, you know, like people who end up looking like their dogs, mm. like clubs sometimes <laughs> become the thing that we just say they are all the time yeah. because it's a new generation of players. There's no way that they should have the shin bonus spirit, so yeah. to speak. Mm. But when you watch Cunnington and you watch Zebu and those guys, Anderson, they, they play like with Glenn what Archer. you could only describe as shin bonus spirit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some cliches are true. Uh. Yeah, no, I did see the highlights of that game. And Ben Cunnington too. The funny thing is this is, a, this is why football is all about perception because we had a conversation about North Melbourne maybe two months ago where we called them irrelevant. I think it was before a Port Adelaide match and we said North Melbourne are irrelevant. And now you look at them and you're like, wow, what a difference two months makes. Like Ben Cunnington looks like the most powerful inside midfielder in the game right now. And Zeeble, you
1: forget, Zeeble's one of those guys that when he's injured or when he's like, because he's not quick anyway, I, I, he strikes me as one of those guys who often plays probably when he's not 100% fit because he feels like he needs to to lead the team and those sort of things. But he is one of those guys that you kind of forget when you see him play injured or he's just sort of like down the forward line contributing or whatever. That mm. when he's up and about and at his peak fitness and able to play at his peak capacity, he is an act- he's a A grader. Like you forget that he's like an like he's that good a player because I think sometimes you see him play when he doesn't but when he is fit and firing, man, mm. he was brutal. He just dominated that game. Like in the way that like Dusty dominated a couple of years ago. He was yeah. just he just felt like he was a like a you know, he just plays at a different sort of energy
0: level. It's interesting, uh, actually. I read yesterday that they think this could be a season which where 11 wins can get you into the bottom yep. part of the eight. So suddenly now North Melbourne and Sydney are kind of good, potentially both be playing <laughs> finals, which just goes to show, as we've said all year, no one knows anything.
1: And also, sack your
0: coach. And Maybe also, just sack your coach. Do you just think, halfway into a season, sack your coach. Do you, do you think, like, hypothetically... So just say St Kilda's made an offer to Brad Scott, like David King and a few other people. Just, Do you think that Brad Scott would now be getting his manager to hurry up and send me the paperwork so I can sign the contract? Because with each week that passes, surely any prospective clubs are like, maybe you were the problem. Well, you know what it is?
1: It might end up being one of those things. It was just, they really did do the right thing. Like, you know, the way that it was handled at North seems to be, that, like Scott's, you know, clearly gone into this season hoping that they would be playing like this he's not able to get them like that anymore and he's sort of gone well i'm not the right person for this job anymore you know people Mm. have stopped listening or whatever if 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 it turns out that that's true and they're not in as desperate straits as they felt like they were, and it turns out that, you know, there's a lot more, some of their younger players, once their senior players started playing so well, then suddenly that next level down, like a Davies, Uniaki, and Uni- a few of those guys yeah. were suddenly, you know, starting to step up and show what they can do as well. And suddenly you go, actually, this is not a
0: bad team, Luke, not Melbourne. Is it? Luke Davies Uniacki. Luke Davies uniaki Is he LDU? What's his nickname? He must have one by yeah, now. Yeah, LDU. Can you look that up? And I did hear somebody make it. LDU. Joke. Would uh, it be like ULD? Like vodka. They call him vodka.
1: Yeah, yeah. UDL.
0: UDL. No, but no. But you've got to take it one step to make it a footy nickname. So it'd be... Yes,
1: but it'd be yeah. like um, West Coast. West Coast Cooler. Cooler. Or
0: Vodka Cruiser, yeah.
1: <laughs> cruiser. Meduri. Oh, yeah, what do you call him, Cruiser? Well, Cruiser, Maduri, Maduri Cruiser, and then <laughs> UDL, and he's LDU. There you go, that's, that's how it worked out. Um, but yeah, they were great, North Melbourne. I just, it was such an enjoyable game to watch. It was on at the same time as the Bulldogs were playing Port Adelaide, but it was raining so much in that game that it was actually quite hard to watch. Mm. Um, so I, I ended up watching mostly the Collingwood-North Melbourne game and then just watched the highlights of the Bulldogs game and uh so Caleb Daniels, is he out for the year? Oh, well he's he's certainly not uh, not playing this week. What happened? Oh, look it was it was raining so much he drowned and <laughs> <he's only laughs> he was, a he was he
0: was sitting in a <laughs> pot plant. <laughs>
1: To normal people, that was quite heavy rain, but to him, like that's like being in the middle of a hurricane, you know, like a tornado. He was, he, no, he was swept away to uh, to Kansas, he said, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Luke Davies' um, uniaki is LDU yeah. or oodles. Oodles. LDU, oo. Oh, oodles? so that
1: comes from UDL. So LDU, UDL, oodle. I guess so, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and then oodles. That's good. <laughs> that's a proper footy nickname.
0: There you go uh Essendon beat the Giants Essendon can still play finals the Giants how do you feel about them I was bullish about them uh, like a month ago and now I don't know now I'm suspect on them. I, oh, I watched this game and Essendon
1: um Essendon didn't really want to win it and the Giants just kind of looked like they were going to win it and then basically, it was one of those games where a bunch of injuries coached the side better than the coach. Do you know what I mean? Because I get the feeling that if there hadn't been some key injuries, everyone would have kept playing in their normal positions and Essendon would have lost by like a goal or two goals to GWS. But because there were some key injuries to Essendon and they had to kind of throw the magnets around a bit and it all kind of paid off. And so I feel like the real coaching victory should next year Essendon should be coached by injuries. Just randomly injure players and then moves others out of position and then they play well.
0: What do you mean that Essendon didn't want to win? You think they're trying to tank a little bit? That no point in them. No,
1: mind. no, no, no. As in like they were just, you know, when like you're just like, oh, you're just not playing clean enough. You're not right. kicking it to the right spots. It just doesn't feel like it's going to work. It felt like one of those games where neither of the sides were playing particularly well to me, and mm. but GWS were going to get it done. And then in the last quarter, Essendon just kind of clicked into gear.
0: I wonder if it's training load time. You know how they do training loads before finals, and like teams are doing really well, suddenly they start to slow up a bit. Maybe because Col- Collingwood and GWS, if they're pretty set for finals, they might be. It's called training loads or something, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Loading the training yeah, or something. That's
1: right. You load up on your training. Like, what does it to actually
0: mean you... to load up in training? In my head, I'm, I'm saying, what, just more weights? Like you do more squats or something? Or <laughs> what is it? how can you Google what that means in the AFL when they talk about a training load or increasing a training load before So finals? here's what
1: I'm going to speculate that it means.
0: Here's what I've wrong. always imagined I hope you're, I hope you're <laughs> completely wrong. S-
1: <laughs> I could well be. I'm just going to say, in my head, when they yeah. said that, For all my life, this is what I've imagined. That in pre-season, you can do a lot of training, right? You get as fit as you can in pre-season. But then as the season goes on because of travel and injury and recovery from games and whatever, you are doing more recovery and less training training Mm. to get the players onto the field. So then at some stage, you want to kind of do a bit of of a second sort of pre-season where you do all that extra training. But that's going to mean necessarily that you might be more tired come game day or post-game day because... You're not using your normal recovery time and preparation time. You're putting, you know, another preseason into your legs in the hope that that level of fitness that you've reestablished that the other teams won't be able to reestablish because they have to, you know, fight every week like it's the most important game of the year. Um, so you get a second mini, a mini second preseason in that hopefully gets you through the finals and they run out of steam because they didn't get to. That's what I've always imagined it is.
0: That sounds. I mean, I reckon that sounds very accurate. I don't know if we even need to go. Yeah, the Mike. I'll just confirm what Will just said.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that is actually true, but like that's what I've imagined. It would yeah,
0: be. just because the word "load" was in it, it was something, I imagine it had something to do with weight. <laughs> but it's probably just a busier. Also, well, I imagine they
1: lifting bigger weights, as in like you wouldn't want to be. In a week where you have to play on your Thursday session or whatever, you don't want to lift weights to the point where on Saturday your arms are heavy. Like So you do less things. So you would be able to increase the load, I imagine. So basically what you're saying is we're going to put up with my arms being a bit heavier because we believe yeah, lifting these extra weights and whatever now will pay off in a month from now. I imagine. I
0: wonder how how they worked that out. That must be like a total like sports science thing, right? Bloody
1: sports science, mate. It's a bloody sports scientist ruining the bloody game, mate. Can't even kick... Training anymore, bloody sports scientist
0: Ah, well, I heard you. Uh, I heard you with Limo last week, where you. I was quite surprised, actually, where you were bemoaning the dogs' goal kicking. You said like it would have been a really good season if you guys could kick straight, and it was funny because that has been my refrain the entire year about the Saints. Like even that game against Richmond on the weekend, I think we kicked seven two to halftime, and then we kicked something like one six in the last quarter. Are there a lot of teams who aren't kicking well or is it just us shit teams? Um, Is goal kicking generally down? Goal
1: kicking is down, I think. I think in general goal kicking is, is down, like accuracy. It seems to be a lament that people can't kick for goal anymore. But the Bulldogs, my theory has always been with the Bulldogs that if we can get the goal kicking right, I've always had the optimism that we're doing everything else right. It's always quite it's mostly quite entertaining to watch Bulldogs play because they get plenty of the ball, they get it down to the forward line plenty. They just can't kick enough goals, but often they're having a bunch of shots. They just literally can't kick enough goals, Um, and you always think, well, if we just kick more goals than we do points, we'll win a lot of games, you know, because we're getting enough shots at goal to. It feels like the rest of the game plan is working to a certain extent, right? Mm. But but once you like, I've believed that for two and a half years. And it just doesn't seem like we're ever going to get better at kicking goals. Because for me, it's always felt like the Bulldogs were doing a bit of like you know, the scene from The Princess Bride where we're like, yeah, you know, we finally reveal, I am not left-handed. Yeah. Like, you know, and then suddenly we're really good at sword fighting because we can also kick straight for goal. And there was some optimism out of the weekend. Shacky kicked three goals in the wet, played really well in mm. his like, first game back in the seniors. And Norton will have a better season next year. And if we can get some strength into our back line, I, I think that there's... Um, oh, oh, hang on. Stats just come up here from uh, Mike Howell. Numbers from Champion Data reveal that AFL goal kicking accuracy has dived over the past two seasons to historic lows, which is forty-five point eight percent of all shots on goal hitting their target in twenty nineteen. So less than fifty hmm. percent.
0: So that's interesting. I mean, if you had any other occupation and you were missing your goals less. Like you had a 45% average over two years. You'd be fired.
1: Well, I mean, sports doesn't necessarily work like that, but it is something that you can practice. You would think that it's like the guys who can't shoot free throws in the NBA, you know? Yeah.
0: I mean, there's obviously like a bunch of factors. The game has changed completely. It's much more of an athletic game now. A lot more ground is covered, fatigue, all that kind of stuff. But I also seem to feel like when you and I were young, Will, Back when the game was simpler, <laughs> um, there was only like a couple of ways of kicking for goal. It was like drop punt or check side. Now players like kick around the corner. They do all like they don't have an opposite foot. It's it's there seems to be all these different options. Like it's interesting when you see players line up on say like a forty five degree angle and rather just walk straight at the goals. They go around the corner. Like mm. in my head, I think, oh yeah, that makes sense because it feels like you are opening up the angle or whatever but you're also increasing the chances of that fucking ball going anywhere. As, you know, my off-satans story of trying to kick a torp in the wet at the SCG, <laughs> only to have it hit the point post, uh, listener favourite, uh, Yeah, you just go with the simplest option, right? The safest, drop punt, the most... Jack- the, the drop punt is like your... When you play like a shoot up a first-person shooter in a video game, they give you your standard weapon. It's just the one that can... It's not going to do the most damage, but it just gets the job done. That's your drop punt. Then you your torp...
1: Yeah. This is your normal one, mate. Like, yeah. this is normal. This is privilege. The drop yeah. punt is the norm, the expectation. This is society. Yeah. Uh, there are some other fancier ones, and we're fine with those as well, yeah. but your straight ahead is your drop punt.
0: Yeah. Like, there's a reason you don't go for a torp when you're 15 meters out directly in front. Mm. Too much risk involved. Well, Outside. the other thing about
1: the torp, the poor torp, is because the torp's a minority, much like... All minorities, you know, it's, a, it's the lament, and rightly so, of like comedians, like, you know, if you're an Asian comedian, you don't want to be like, oh, I'm the Asian comedian. Or like, mm. you know, every time you step on stage as a female comedian, you were representing all female comedians. A bit like, you know, Caroline Wilson has had to do in the footy media when you're one of the minority of your sex, you have to do a doubly good as job because people judge you more harshly. Like, you know, maybe that's the scenario. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I got
0: lost in that. Hang on, what? The torpedoes, Caroline Wilson?
1: Well, my point being that like when you like, because there's only like say five torpedoes in, or not even, right? Say there's three torpedoes in a round or whatever. Like if one of them like does a really bad job, it ruins it for all the other torpedoes. Why is that? Whereas like if someone kicks a bad, well, if someone misses like a dribble kick, right? And there's only five dribble kicks. Everyone's like, oh, you shouldn't dribble kick. Yeah. But there's only, it's only a sample of five. And it's yeah. the same with the torpedo. It's the torpedoes that muck around that are no good, that spray off the corner of the boot that mm. makes other people not want to recognise, you know, whereas you drop punts, you're safe, is what I'm saying.
0: Well, it's also where you are on the ground. Like, there are certain acceptable situations in which a torp... Like, you know that hack kick out of defence when you're just trying to clear it from your back pocket or something like that. There is no technique involved there. That is just clear it to the boundary line, we'll set up for a stoppage. And I think... Like in that situation, fine, pressure. And I think the torpedo only is only allowed in two situations. One, when you're, you know, one point down, there's 20 seconds to go and you're kicking from defense. Like you just go straight down the middle of the big torp. Then there's the reverse of that, which is like you're kicking for goal, you're seven meters out, you know, the siren's gone or whatever. But there's no really any other time a torp is, makes sense. Like when else do you need to do a torp? It's too risky to go down the boundary line because it might go out of bounds in the fall. You can only stick to the middle of the, the fat side of the ground, the middle of the ground. I know, but if you were good at kicking tops, isn't there an argument
1: that, that, that there was a stat recently about how, at the moment, because everybody's game plan is so predictable, the balls often go to predictable places for the defenses, right. and it's actually the shanked kicks or the kicks that don't chaos, go to the, the chaos expected ball. spot that are actually paying off like because you know if you drop it yeah if it's a forward you can drop into a hole because if you they like they'll set up here they'll go to here they set up their team defense for that and if someone actually shanks the kick rather than doing what they were trying to do it Mm. lands in the hole someone marks it it's actually quite an effective technique now because it's it's a way around defenses so the idea that you would like take the risk on kicking a torp so say you're 70 meters out and you're trying to deliver to your forwards rather than kicking a drop punt to the, like, the top of the square, of the square. 20 metres out, why not put a torp on and just see where it goes a bit? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's just you in the coach's office, <laughs> like just pitching him on your new tactic. Uh, but if I the idea re- is
1: to create chaos, isn't that a good example of creating chaos? Because if it pays off, it works fine. And if it doesn't pay off, it might also pay off. That's the advantage of it in I- that situation.
0: I guess so. I mean, for some reason, I always think of chaos ball as being like a ground ball thing. Like it's chaos in flight doesn't quite work. Like if you're 70 meters out and you want to put it near the goal square to give your forwards a chance, but then you hook it and suddenly it's floating across the ground. That's what I'm
1: saying. This has become an effective technique. The chaos midair ball, the ball that (laughs) like is skewed off the side or whatever has become an effective way to goal. So how do you create the chaos kick? Right, Because if you know that the chaos kick is creating goals more effectively than the kick to the safe position because it's been manned up by the other team. Mm. But you can't plan to kick it to that other place because that then becomes your game plan. You literally have to introduce a random element in order mm. to score. And I think the Torp has the highest kind of possibility of creating a random element, a yeah, genuinely see, random element.
0: You're basically Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. You're pitching yeah. chaos theory. I am. You're saying nature finds a way the goals will find a way <laughs> we just need to create the opportunity in which that multiple options are available all right i get it
1: yeah i would love that if one of the coaches was they were just like what's your game plan for the team this season and it's like chaos theory
0: how were you when you when you used to play footy how were you with the top could you execute
1: i my probably my greatest ever football moment uh and, and I remember it distinctly because of this. It got a big write-up in the Hayfield News. Um, <laughs> Which was
0: basically just carved into a stone tablet, <laughs> hammering a chisel. Well,
1: It was uh, white photocopied, previously done with that sort of purple ink oh, stuff.
0: That smells so good and the paper gets all damp. <gasps> oh, that's a good stuff. <laughs> just inhale some of that. Mm, acetone. Oh, baby. <laughs>
1: And so in the Hayfield News, they do a little report about the the footy, all the levels of footy every week. And um, it was good to get your name in the best players in the Hayfield News. But around the finals, they actually wrote a little article. So this would have been under 15's preliminary final, I think. Mm. And I think we were at Mafra. uh, And it was a bit of a cold and muddy day, as it is in country football. And I got the ball, Tom Boyd style, uh, from the sort of centre square and banged it on my foot. Like, and it just hit in the most perfect. Never, ever again, if you gave me like, if you gave me 50 shots a day, every day for the rest of my life, it would just never. It was just one of those ones where you're like, it just hit sweet. And I was just trying to bash it down to the forward line, basically. Mm. And it just flew (laughs) and flew. And it went over the head of everyone and it went through for a goal. And it was literally the, it was a fluke, but it was. By far and away, the the best thing I ever did on a football field. No doubt.
0: Listen to the whimsy in your voice, <laughs> like you oh, were I got dead. such it a was... big
1: right up in the in the in the Hayfield News that talked about it being an inspirational captain's goal, and it was at a really important time. And it was like it was. It was like a real thrill. And I, and the whole time, I couldn't help but thinking, well, that just happened. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it wasn't actually because I had the capacity to do that. It was just that one sweet moment where the ball hit the foot in that right way and it flew in a way that I would never be able to do again and it just happened at, happened at that really ideal moment it was it was great
0: i can't remember if i ever if i ever attempted one because i never there was never much cuz i was a back pocket black back flanker so i was my skill set didn't lay in my finesse, Will. You wouldn't, say, you wouldn't say I was a silky distributor of the ball. I was more, you kind of hack it out of the fence guy, <laughs> just with my stumpy little legs, just grab that thing and, and just whack it out of there. I don't think I, I have no clear memory of ever kicking a torpedo. I took a screamer once completely accidentally <laughs> because I didn't oh, see really? it. Yeah, I was running back with the flight of the ball. Not, I was running backwards with the flight of the ball. And at the moment that I launched to take it on my chest, a guy came the other way, sort of tunneled me, I guess, and actually flicked me up in the air. So I did something of like a backflip, but took the grab. And I remember it was, um, it, was, uh, it was a practice match we were playing. They used to film our footy games. Um, and you'd go into like, you could go up to the media room afterwards and watch the highlights. And we even had like commentators and stuff. And I remember a lot of people <laughs> being very concerned for my health because I landed on the back of my neck. Oh, it was very spectacular. It was it was revolt esque with none of the athleticism.
1: I don't think I ever took a good mark, like not like that, you know, like a real screamer. Um, Ah! Excuse me. You're allergic Um, to nostalgia. I am. It's choked me up a little bit. I've remembered Hayfield, and then suddenly the hay is really (laughs) making my sinuses play up. My hay fever has clicked. I've had a memory, and my hay fever has kicked back in just from the memory.
0: Um, We might have to do a short episode this week uh, because I'm in Los Angeles and I need to go somewhere. So why don't we take a look ahead at the matches coming up. Uh, Michael, do you want to do the honours? All right. So Friday night, which is two days for you, three days for me. Hawthorne versus Collingwood at the MCG. Now, Um, two... That's interesting. uh, Collingwood demolished, Hawthorne heartbreaking loss... Who's more primed for victory here?
1: Hawthorne did not play anywhere near as badly as I expected them to play. Hmm. Um, Collingwood looked terrible, but I can't imagine that they're going to be so terrible. The only problem for Collingwood is if what North Melbourne did against them, because North Melbourne had a really concerted you know, game plan that really worked very well on shutting Collingwood's system down. And you could see them go into it every single time that Collingwood got the ball and it worked. Right. And then you were suddenly like, oh, is this going to be the sort of thing that
0: other teams look at and go, well, this is how you take down Collingwood. Well, the Bulldogs got close. Were you implementing the same game plan? It
1: wasn't exactly the same, but I think that Collingwood... I mean, Nathan Buckley said after that Bulldogs game that they hadn't been... They. You know they won, but that that was the worst game they'd played all season. And Collingwood were like, "We'll show you." He's <laughs> the worst game we play for the season. <laughs> um, but I, I guess he probably saw it coming. Yeah. You know they they seem a little off the boil at the moment, but they're still in second spot. Like they're they're still going fine, Collingwood, and I think they'll probably I'll, I think they'll probably bounce back and win. That's Training pretty.
0: loads. Um, I mean, they're both big MCG teams. Does it have? Does it? It almost. Well, it's been a long time since you said this, but could Collingwood's backs be slightly against the wall after that humiliating loss? I would suggest that
1: Collingwood's backs are against the wall. Even though they're in second position, they they had a game that they probably should have lost against the Bulldogs, and then they had this absolute shellacking where they looked ordinary. They did. They absolutely looked ordinary. North Melbourne made them look ordinary. If they came out again and Hawthorne made them look ordinary, then I would say their backs are already against the wall. Enough for them to win. I think okay.
0: Collingwood would win. All right. Collingwood. I'll pick, I'll pick Collingwood too. Uh, Saturday we moved to, and the bomber's taking on Sydney at the MCG, a resurgent Sydney and a will's, uh, uh suggesting trying to lose Essendon.
1: <laughs> Not trying to lose. I didn't say that. Um, I, yeah, I, I like Sydney even without buddy. I still think there's a lot to like about Sydney. Um, this one could go either way, though. I reckon that both these sides are around about the same. It'll just depend on, you know, which, which side rocks up on the night. But um, I reckon Sydney. I like Sydney. I think Sydney
0: are up and, up and about again a bit. Yeah, I'll say, I'll say Sydney as well with absolutely zero confidence. Gold Coast take on the Tigers up at Metricon Stadium. Um, so where's Gold Coast at? They haven't won a game in a long time. Um, I watched
1: them play on the weekend. They're very competitive for the first half, but it's all very much building the basics of how to be hard in and around the ball, and then they just run out of energy, and the other team beats them. Right. They are—they they, they look like they're building a, a game plan, one of those old-fashioned, you've got to teach them how to defend and play hardball before you get to the good stuff. It feels like there's a fair, fair way before they're going to be a really good team, Gold Coast. But um, Richmond look like they're back up and about so I reckon Richmond easily
0: um yeah Richmond are going to win that I don't think Gold Coast will win another one for the year because they don't play the Saints again so <laughs> Adelaide take on Port Adelaide it's uh, the showdown is it the showdown yeah this is the showdown um Port no good Adelaide okay but lost to Geelong who cares I don't mind Who? I don't, I don't. can we move on <laughs> <laughs> well, Adelaide are up and about. They're going. but this Didn't They, is, lose, they the, lost to Geelong, though.
1: All bets are off in the showdown. Okay. All bets are off in the showdown. Who knows what happens in the showdown? The only, thing, also,
0: the only reason we care about the showdown is where's the fight going to be <laughs> at the Ramsgate Hotel? Which which part of the car park are we going to punch on in afterwards? That's what I want to know.
1: Here's, here's what I would say about the showdown, is that Port <laughs> are very Port this year. Like, Port are, you know, the team that is inconsistent. We, it's it's that classic thing of just going, I can't trust Port. Even yeah. Ken Hinckley said after the game the other day, he's gone, well, I imagine people saying you can't trust Port. And he's like, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what we're saying. You lose the ones that you're meant to win and you win the ones that you're meant to lose. You can't fucking trust Port. Um, so I'm going to say in that uh, Adelaide are flying and you can't trust Port, I'm going to say, Port win this one, and that is my lock of the week.
0: Ooh, controversial. <laughs> um, I'll pick Adelaide just for it to be interesting. The Western Bulldogs. They
1: dropped, they'll, they'll bring back um, Rockliffe. Rockliffe went back to the sample. Did you see what he no. got in the sample? No. 57 touches.
0: Is that all? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> 57. Wow, you've completely forgotten about Tom Rockliffe. I mean, do you remember when he was Brisbane's best player like three years ago? Well, he's he, he was flying for
1: Port just for a bit and then it's obviously dropped off, but 57's good. Westhoff got 37, they dropped him as well and he got 37 and he kicked five goals, so he'll be back as well probably.
0: I'm going to say Port win. Um, yeah, I say I say Adelaide just because who cares. Uh, <laughs> what's the dog's take on Geelong? It's natural enemies, dogs versus cats. And we know... As every Disney film has taught us that dogs are the likeable ones for your friends and cats are evil. So who are you picking, Will? Uh,
1: I'm picking the Bulldogs, but Geelong will win. <laughs> Geelong will win this. Geelong are the best team in the competition. And they had their little stumble a couple of weeks ago. They're back up again. Kelly's going to win the Brownlow.
0: Yeah. She's going
1: to win the Premiership.
0: Kelly's going to win the Brownlow and uh, Danger will probably finish the top four. So that's great. Yeah. Awesome.
1: And will probably get votes in the top ten. It's, yeah. They're a good team. And Myers might win, you know, bloody yeah, Rising Star and just every other kid that they've put in that team's really good and, you know, all their players are playing really well and they've got the best if? back line in the game. Good team,
0: good team. Do door. you think, like, so Brad Scott's been out of the game now and he's watching, like, North, um, you know, playing really well and his brother's team is top of the ladder and playing really well. Do you think, like, he goes around to see Chris, you know, they get into an argument and it gets physical and he pushes Chris, doesn't intend to, but like kills him. Just, yeah. So it's like shit. So he goes in the backyard, digs a hole, buries him. And then like, you know, creates a paper trail, like writes a note and books a ticket and stuff. And just creates Like Chris Scott has fled the state for whatever reason. No, he doesn't do that because he's going to adopt his identity. (laughs) I don't know
1: why he started doing all that part. No, Brad Scott has. Brad
0: Scott has done that. He needs to get rid of Brad Scott, not Chris Scott. (laughs) No, 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 no. Brad wants to be successful because there's less of the kangaroos and then they're playing well. No, in his but that's team.
1: what I'm saying is you need a paper trail to explain the difference oh, of Brad yeah, Scott. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because Brad Scott is going to become Chris Scott yes. in your scenario. So we need to explain why there's no
0: Brad Scott anymore. Thank God I'm not one of a twin because I would be in jail straight away. <laughs> fr- he framed himself. Yeah. I don't know what happened. He had his
1: plan all mixed around.
0: All right, I'll bitch along in that game as well. Moving on, the Fremantle Dockers take. Oh, great! It's the weekend of the showdowns. This is when we need the bloody Q clash. Well, this is bullshit. Um, yeah, it's a good so point actually. And showdown the in Port the Adelaide, the Derby Derby uh, over at Optus Stadium. Fremantle taking on West Coast. um West Coast are just humming along under the radar. Frio are limping a little bit.
1: Yeah, they are. That's absolutely true. But I don't know. Again, all bets are off in the Derby Derby in the Derby Derby. Uh, So, look, I think West Coast, they're a very good team still. And I think that West Coast have that capacity to just get the job done when they need to get the job done. But this will be a really good game. Be a good game to watch. Fremantle have just become a really good team to watch, which is... Against everything that we've always been led to believe about Fremantle, but I reckon this will be a super entertaining game. Um,
0: uh, <laughs> I think that's a very strong statement. I don't think <laughs> if it goes against everything we've been taught about Fremantle, just you and I.
1: Well, yeah, but because we didn't think they were entertaining, but they are entertaining. This will be a great game. This is an absolute up. and I like watching West Coast. I didn't never realise, Charlie, how much joy I would end up getting out of watching
0: Western Australian teams playing football. Uh, been- match of the match of the round, yeah. No, I like them both, and I like their I like I like the personalities at the club too. I'm going to pick West Coast for me. I'm going to say um, West Coast also. Oh boy, oh boy, wouldn't this be great? Sunday morning, wouldn't it be great? Will you've got the newspaper, you have got a fresh croissant, you sit down, you turn on the TV, and you say, "Ah, oh, it's Carlton versus Melbourne." <laughs> Tell me, how does your perfect afternoon unfold from here on in? I mean. somebody did say to me,
1: are you still getting joy out of, you know, Melbourne just destroying itself? And I've got to say that I I have been questioning whether I am still getting joy out of it. And then I watched the game on the weekend and I realised, oh, no, 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 there's still some joy left in this for me. So, (laughs) So maybe even the most perfect way (laughs) to uh, spend my weekend would be for the first half carlton and melbourne to battle it out and then to melbourne to disintegrate as they have wanted to do so um yeah that would be great i would very much enjoy watching carlton beat melbourne on the weekend um they might not though because they're they're not the same team without crips uh Um,
0: yeah i I mean that but that just makes it even more delicious doesn't it no mckay no crips no (laughs) kerno And they get up. Here's what I think. I mean, look, back in the days of Richmondy, we would love sort of writing the script for what we thought might happen. So here's what I think. Melbourne are out of the blocks, like seven goals up in the first quarter. Carlton are just hanging in there, but they're on the ropes. Melbourne in the second quarter start missing a bunch of shots on goal. Second, third quarter starts. It's a lockdown for the first half and then Carlton get three or four really quick goals. But Melbourne still have a commanding five goal lead at the start of the last quarter. And then something just switches. They stop running, no spread. Carlton run over, and then they end up losing by three goals. <laughs> I mean, that would be perfect, but I'm, I think Melbourne win. I'm going to say Melbourne win that. Uh, I'm going to pick Carlton, and that's my luck of the week, it's going to happen in those exact ways. that exact score. I, mean,
1: line. I would... can hope for nothing nothing more, to be honest. Yeah. Then
0: I will be the pre- Now I'm the pre-coG. <laughs> the resurgent shinboners take on the battling saints down at Blundstone Arena. Um, I actually watched a bit of the Saints game. Uh, my friend Brett has the AFL Global subscription. It's actually really good. We just watch it on his big TV. It's better than watching it on Foxtel back home. Foxtel. I don't know. It, is your Fox? You don't have Foxtel, do you? I, I'm watching everything on Ko now. Right. Yeah. Oh, right. Can you watch AFL on Ko? Yep. Goodbye, Life. Foxtel. <laughs> you yeah. just you just signed their
1: death warrant. Will well, it's the same company, so I think they'll be fine. But well, not the same company, but all part of the the same multimedia organisation. But yeah, it's heaps better. You Make can it. watch all the Fox Sports shows you want to watch. Oh,
0: at- oh, see you later. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Yeah. Bye Foxtel.
1: So you can watch all of those, and um, you can watch sport from around the world. This is not a paid ad for Ko, by the way, <laughs> and. Uh, But it's it's great. I watch so much KO. Like the cricket World Cup's all on it. So because I mean, obviously, I'm a huge cricket fan. I've been watching all that on KO. But they do like there's a lot of thirty for thirties. You can watch. But they have all the fun shows as well as like AFL 360 and on the couch and stuff. And you can watch them all live. So as they're Mm. happening on Foxtel, you can watch them on KO. But you can also watch them later. You can just go and click on AFL 360 or on the couch or you know Bob.
0: Did you say (laughs) Foxtel?
1: Foxtel. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Foxtel. Uh, look, North Melbourne are rampaging. We're kind of wounded. I went through our injury list today. It is still quite significant. Um, you know, we've got like still four of our best five players are out. We can hang in there, but we just we've just we got no other gears. Um, I'm going to pick the Saints.
1: Yeah, well, good on you for picking the Saints. I, I believe the shin Bonus spirit, uh, the momentum of the shin Bonus spirit will get them across the line.
0: In the last game, the GWS Giants take on the Brisbane Lions. at. Uh, Gia Carides the actress's house Gia Carides
1: oh Gia Carides house yeah what was in she, what was she in most famously Gia Carides
0: the big steel oh okay <laughs> <laughs> I think no she wasn't death in Brunswick
1: death in Brunswick okay yeah Um, uh, G- <laughs> G- <laughs> these days death this is Brunswick. the only <laughs>
0: podcast in the world where you will get a Gia Carides reference uh, you're welcome
1: <laughs> GWS versus Brisbane Lions at Gia Caridi's backyard. The big, the big steel round. <laughs> sponsored by. The, the Death steel. in Brunswick. Oh, no, death in Brunswick. It's uh, sponsored by anti vaxxers. They're calling it Death in Brunswick round. <laughs> and uh, Gia Caridi's, we played it in her backyard. Um, the Giants Stadium, of course. Uh, GWS. This,
0: a, this could be a good game. This actually might rival the uh, Derby Derby. Two very close teams. GWS back on the home turf, needing to avenge. Brisbane looking real good at the moment. I'm going to pick Brisbane. Shock. I think Brisbane was going, going
1: okay the other night. Um, they couldn't kick straight again. And then uh, Hipwood had just like, like a burst where he kicked five goals. And it was magnificent to watch. Like it was such a fun game to watch. Um, I reckon GWS bounced back at home. But I think this could be, yeah, this could be equal to match of the round. Two great teams.
0: Um, all right, and that's it. Uh, I'll be back in Australia next week, so hopefully we'll talk a little more football. But who are we kidding? We'll probably end up talking about, I don't know, Back to the Future or something and how it relates to AFL coaches. Yeah. Jay Caridi's. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can go to our Facebook page if you want to send us a message. Uh, you can also go to tofop.com, which is, uh, you can check out some of our other great podcasts that are on there. Will, do you have anything to promote? Uh, I'm doing a show in Darwin. It's my Will legal
1: show. And um, uh, I also just want to give a big shout out to uh, Gia Carides, uh, who was most recently in My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2. So oh, it might be, might be got, a multicultural can, round, Charlie, Gia
0: Carides was not in Death in Brunswick. That was Zoe Carides, her sister. Gia Carides was in Strictly Boring.
1: <laughs> okay. So Gia Carides was in uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. This isn't funny. Burning Man. Uh, Year One, uh, Stick It, One Last Thing, Exposed, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, Jack the Dog, Maze, The Extreme Adventures of Super Dave, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Mm. There you go. Letters from a Killer, Primary Colors, oh, good. Brilliant Lies, Two if by Sea, Bad Company, Paperback Romance, The Girl Who Came Late, Strictly Ballroom, Backlash Bliss, The Coca-Cola Kid, and He's Calming Out, Far Lap, bloody Farlaps Gia I'll <laughs> think you act- five years, she
0: is, Charlie. <laughs> Her heart is as big as Farlaps. And as we always say on this show, play on, not 15. Ball. <laughs> <laughs> we are Two Guys, One Cup.